This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hi, everybody. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report podcast for this Monday, December the 18th. How about that? Wow, it is a busy, busy week. Happy holidays, everybody. And what a Sunday in the NFL yesterday, including the Saints win over the New York Jets by the score of 31 to 19. We've also got plenty of NBA to talk. We've got a great guest for that. Greg Anthony from Turner is uh, with us today. Daniel Salerson will visit with him about the Pelicans, their road trips this week, and of course, the NBA news as we turn toward Christmas Day, one week from today. How about that? Um, and then the NFL, of course, everybody's talking about the wild Sunday that it was, including the off-the-field stuff involving the Carolina Panthers. As uh, By the way, if you've got a couple billion laying around, you can be the proud owner of the uh, Carolina Panthers. Crazy stuff. Carolina won yesterday, took care of uh, Green Bay. Philadelphia comes back and beats the Giants. We'll talk about that. And, of course, uh, you had the dramatic finishes between Pittsburgh and uh, the uh, uh, Patriots. And then, of course, the Raiders last night uh, have basically a chance to either go to overtime or a win snatched right away from them. Uh, interesting stuff. The Rams made big news yesterday. Uh, and, of course, there's Monday Night Football involving the Falcons and the Buccaneers. So, so much to cover today. Um, we... We'll look at the Saints game probably two different ways. You'll see what I'm talking about when John DeShazer stops by here in just a moment. And then we'll wrap up today's show kind of with a bit of a calendar. You're going to need to make some notes about how to follow the Pelicans and the Saints this week. And uh, we'll do that for you as well. So we'll take a quick break. When we come back, John DeShazer to talk about the Saints weekend and what lies ahead. And, of course, NBA talk today with Daniel and Greg Anthony. Stay with us. Now, Uber takes you couch to courtside at the tap of a button. Heading to a Pelicans game, Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code PELICANS18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. What is big? Big is Drew Holiday. Red hot from the perimeter and ice at the foul line. Big is DeMarcus Cousins, a 6'11 defensive flamethrower that vaporizes man-on-man coverage. Big is Anthony Davis, a laser-guided missile of athleticism aimed at the rim. Come see the Pels do battle against the Brooklyn Nets Wednesday, December 27th at the Smoothie King Center. Visit pelicans.com for tickets. New Orleans Pelicans, do it big. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly and John DeShazer. Our Monday conversation continues with John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com. Christmas week is just about upon us. Merry, merry, my friend. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Not just about. It is upon us. I know. We only got seven days. I I can't get past the fact that Christmas is on Monday. I keep wanting to say Christmas is on Saturday this week. If Monday will get us off, I'll take it on Monday. Because if it's <laughs> on Saturday, you don't get any you don't get any days off. No, that's true. So it's, I'm I'm actually preferable to Monday. 
And if it was Saturday, then the Saints would be playing on Friday, which is way too soon. Yeah. Well, no, they probably still play on Sunday. It'd just be the day after Christmas. That's right. It's all just messed up because you're full of turkey and all. Yeah, it just wouldn't work. Right. So let's just stick with Monday? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's right. play with Monday. That does mean the Saints will play Sunday on Christmas Eve against the Falcons. We'll talk about that in just a moment. First, though, let's look back to yesterday, J.D. The Saints win their 10th game of the season, 31-19 to over the New York Jets. I've been thinking about this ever since I left the stadium yesterday. I've gotten past the whole, boy, there wasn't something right, or it's a sloppy. It's a win. It's a win, it's a win, it's a win. And it's your 10th of the season. And I would doubt that there are many who would have predicted that the Saints would be in a double-digit win this year. No, I don't think many people would have. But I'm, I'm now I'm not going to um, slide past the, the sloppiness because we've maybe we're a little spoiled. Uh, certainly, after the previous three seasons of seven and nine, we should probably be a little bit more satisfied. And yet, um, the way they won that game yesterday, just you know, I don't think anybody had a really good taste in their mouth after, uh, from coaching staff to players to fans to. Me or you, and I mean, yeah, when you look at it, yeah, the, the objective is to win. And if they played that exact same way in the Super Bowl and won, you know what would happen? There would be a parade in a couple of days. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, you know, you do have to take it with a grain of salt. And yet, they just didn't look crisp yesterday. And I don't know if it was – I don't think it was looking ahead. I think a lot of it was just – a lot of it was self-inflicted. You hear a lot of times teams say, okay, it's self-inflicted. But a lot of, I think a lot of that was yesterday. Three turnovers two of them in the red zone when you're driving the score. And if you kick two field goals on those two possessions, much less touchdowns, it's a 37-19 to game. And all of a sudden, it looks like dominance. Uh, the defensive penalties, uh, two pass interferences uh, by Kenny Vicaro, and then an unnecessary roughness penalty by Ken Crawley are things that, you know, a couple of them help keep the Jets on the field on their first touchdown drive. And those are things that just – can't happen. You can't have Ken Crawley lose his cool. Um, that's easily correctable. Ken, with Kenny Vaccaro and the defensive pass interferences, that's something that's happened to Vaccaro a couple of times this year and something that's happened to him periodically during his career. So that's something that really has to be cleaned up because those are huge plays. We're talking about you know 20-plus yard penalties, and those will keep a defense on the field and, and put an offense in a position to score. But So – yeah, it was a win. I, obviously, you like that part of it. Saints are ten and four. They hadn't won, you know, ten games since two thousand thirteen. But there's a lot of stuff to be to be cleaned up and to be harped on and to be coached up this week. Yeah. Um, the one thing that did concern me yesterday, and I think this gets better when Ted Ginn comes back. But yes. and again, I didn't watch. I haven't watched the all twenty two. I haven't watched the stuff that would say this is what forced you into it. But there was no. There was no edge attack from the Saints yesterday. There was no taking the top off the defense yesterday. That concerns me against better competition. Um, by the way, Mike Thomas probably should have had three touchdowns yesterday. He had one. He was a hair off on two. Yeah. Um, and the touchdown he did score was kind of on his route, that, that quick slant that it, yeah. he owns that route. But I am a little concerned about not being able to go big up top, or have the tight end threat as well. Now, the running backs do offset that a little bit, but I'm hoping you can tell me that Ted Ginn's going to be okay and that will take care of itself here well, in the next two weeks. He was limited practice toward the end of last week, which would lead one to believe he should be available to play this week. But, yeah, you, you missed that element. I mean, to have just not only the guy taking the top off, but the threat that he will. 
forces people to back up off him and forces the defense to be a little bit more loose. And we didn't see that yesterday. Um, we didn't see it for a lot of yesterday. Now, there were some times where Drew Brees had some time to throw it, but a lot of times it just seemed really congested and confined. And it's nice to have two running backs like Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara to give you almost 100, well, probably more than 120 yards receiving. Mm -hmm. uh, that's always nice to have. But you need that threat that defenses look at across the line of scrimmage and say, okay, if I'm going to press him, I better get my hands on him. And if I'm not going to press him, I, be, I better be ready to run. And Ted Ginn gives you that. He loosens things up, and it wasn't there yesterday. It, it was not there, and hopefully it will be back when he comes back. Mark Ingram's 50-yard touchdown run uh, not only capped a great day and working on a great season for him, it also got the Saints to 131 yards rushing on the day. And they're 9-1 and one now when they go over 100 yards rushing. If you take the 50-yard run away, are you still okay with the day, or is the 50-yard run just a part of it, and that's that's what it is at the end? Well, I'm okay with it from this standpoint. They got the required attempts in, and that's what you want to do a lot of times if you're the Saints, even if or any team, even if it's not as productive as you want it to be, you have to have the attempts in to make an opposing defense play honest. So the Saints are saying, okay, they're already tight on us, um, but if we run enough, we can get some play action in here, and we can hopefully, you know, get you know get behind them that way or find some loose spots. So you got to get up the attempts. They only got 15 rushing attempts against the Falcons. That means one, your defense is probably on the field a whole lot longer than it should be, which they were. Yeah, and two, that means your offense is not converting and not keeping possession of the ball enough. Uh, so if you get those rushing attempts, that always helps, and I, I think that was a good thing, even though it took them, you know, and and a lot of times, you know. From running games, it does kind of happen that way where you just kind of chip away, chip away, chip away, and finally, bam, you pop one. And that's exactly what happened. We've seen that happen to the Saints a lot where, you know, they'll play the run game pretty good for a long period of time, and then all of a sudden somebody pops one for 50 or 60, and now the numbers get skewed, mm -hmm. and it looks bad. So, you know, yesterday it got skewed, but in a good way for the Saints. Yeah, okay, I agree. Um, Saints were 3 of 10 on third down yesterday. That's got to that's some that's got to change. Drew tried to throw Drew Brees tried to throw some water on the criticism of that. Yeah, he tossed a little rainbow on it, and yeah. I, and and if you look at the rainbow he threw on it, it it helps. You know, Brandon Coleman fumbled one what would have been a third down conversion, uh, one third down conversion they missed, but they came back the next play and converted on fourth down. But all that said, the Saints have not just had this problem yesterday; they had the problem in Atlanta. They've had that problem several times this year where they've been in the 30% range or less on third down conversion. And this is a team that we're accustomed to seeing in the high 40s, mm -hmm. maybe low 50s third down conversions. Uh, yesterday, you know, before the third down conversion to Michael Thomas, uh, and that was the third and seven in the fourth quarter, they were two for eight before that. And you can't survive that way. against. And those, that when you hear, you know, Sean Payton talk about you know, the things that'll get you beat against good teams, that'll get you beat against good teams. <laughs> that'll get you beat against good teams. You know, that and the three turnovers and the penalties, those things combined will get you beat against good teams. So they were able to skate away with it. But the third down conversions has to be concerning now because first we were saying, okay, it's the Saints offense. You know, they always convert on third down. They'll figure it out. Well, now we're 14 games in, and they're still in the 30, hot, you know, high 30% range third down conversions, which is, you know, probably league average, but it's not what we're accustomed to seeing out of this team. And they've got to be better at it because 
You know, those are the things that keep your defense off the field. Those are the things that win you the time of possession game. And those are the things that allow you to run 65 to 75 plays and the opposition is down in the 50s and you're wearing their defense out. So that's something that's got to get corrected and it's got to get corrected like like yesterday. Wow, <laughs> you're right. Um, just like you and I agree that Cam Jordan should be introduced last when the Saints defense is introduced at the start of a home game. Absolutely. I've kind of put the Saints defense here uh, last because I think it's that important when it comes to yesterday's win. I thought they were outstanding, and I thought that Cam himself was dynamite. Uh, you and I, I think it counted five pass deflections. I think officially he got four. Yeah, he got four because yeah. the two-point conversion one didn't count. Because, I mean, it counts, but it's, that's not an official play. Well, that's you understand what I'm saying? BS. It's like when you get an interception on a two-point conversion, it doesn't count for an interception. You know well, what I'm saying? That's stupid. And well, hey, I'm just, I just okay. go by what the rules say. I'm, you know, hey, and the rules don't always make sense. Ask the Pittsburgh about that. Defense, though, was good yesterday. Defense was really good. Yeah. Um, like I said, I mentioned those three penalties because, really, those were the, the, the black eyes on the defense. Uh, those three penalties, along with the Sheldon Rankin's encroachment, those penalties were really the, the the dark spots. Now, yeah, they were playing against an inexperienced quarterback, but you still got to do the job. And Cam Jordan, you know, affects the game. He showed in multiple ways. Sometimes it's getting sacks. Sometimes it's just, you know, rushing a quarterback and getting him unsettled and getting him off his spots. And yesterday was batting down passes, which he's got an uncanny ability to do that. You know, you've seen him do it like that. Uh, probably J.J. Watt, but I can't think of a lot of people just recently or, or, you know, in recent memory who batted down passes the way these guys are able to anticipate and get their get their hands in the passing lane. I figured something out yesterday watching him. And I, you know, some with you, I'm like, I can't, you know, this is incredible. This is, you know, we've seen more of this than, than you and I together have seen. Yeah. Um, that's a smart group up front. Yeah. And watching Cam yesterday on at least two of them, he'll get into the offensive lineman or whoever's trying to chip on him, and he'll go after the quarterback. And then he seemingly knows when I can't get him, so I'm going to take one step back and see if I can't get myself in his passing lane. Yeah. And sure enough, that's what he had done on a couple of those. And no one say he gives up the fight. He just goes on to fight something else. Yeah, it's a different fight. Because <laughs> he, he figures, you know, yes. I, okay, I can't get there, so maybe I can bat the pass. But if he tucks it and decides to run, I probably can chase him down. Yes, just by resetting, yeah. taking a little step <laughs> yeah. back. Yes, uh, I mean, he's yeah, he's he's a he's something else. You have to you know to get a, a real appreciation for him. We've heard Zach Streve talk about him, the guy who plays right tackle here forever, and he's had to practice against Cam, and he and he was just saying you know Cam's just a unique guy. And, I mean he's you know really you watch him and he is he is unblockable. I would say. I mean there are. There are certain things that you can try to do, and he can counter everything that you see an offensive lineman do. Yeah. Hey, we're running out of time. Uh, Daniel's going to talk with Greg Anthony about some NBA here in just a moment. But there's four other things I do want to touch on with you, and we'll do a kind of rapid fire here. All right. All right, number one, the Saints got no help yesterday in the NFC playoff picture. Everybody that the Saints didn't want to win did. Let's start with that. Yeah, um, I thought Green Bay – might be a little bit juiced up, and they were early against Carolina, but, I mean, really it came back to Aaron Rodgers being a little rusty, and Carolina's a pretty good team. So that doesn't help a lot. You know, maybe the Falcons, you know, will will you know fall tonight against Tampa Bay, but that doesn't really help the Saints a whole lot. What they needed was for Carolina to lose, and Carolina took care of business. Yeah, Philly came back, beat the Giants. We saw that too. 
Yeah, the Giants actually put up a little bit of fight. Put they up did. a lot more fight than I thought they had in them. So that one actually surprised me. I thought Philly would win anyway, but, you know, actually was impressed more so with the Giants. And the Rams blasted Seattle yesterday. Todd Gurley went nuts. Well, they were talking about, you know, the excuse was that Seattle played the previous week in Jacksonville, and then, you know, that was a physical game, and then they came home. Look, man, you get beat like that. That ain't just a trip across the country. That's a superior team you're playing that's pretty pretty fired up. And, I mean, they they smashed them around. And Todd Gurley is um, is a Pro Bowl-bound, probably all-pro running back who is having quite the year. Yeah. And they knocked the daylights out of Russell Wilson. This yeah. Year. I mean, they just sacks, you know, so. he's a guy who's pretty mobile, and they, just beat, they beat him up pretty good. All right. And then nationally, there's two big ones that people are really buzzing about here on this Monday. One, New England wins at Pittsburgh on that – Last, um, well, they got the interception to end the game, but it was the prior drive where a catch, the ground, he did not survive the ground. And lo and behold, now the well, Patriots are going to be the number one seed in the AFC. And that's one of those where, okay, he makes he makes the catch, he's on his knees, he extends the ball, and once, in every other situation, once the ball crosses that plane, that's it. Yeah. And that's so. I mean, you know, but again, you know, by that's get fixed. by the letter of the law, that probably was not a reception. By but by everybody, every naked eye on the planet, and by your your football, you know, knowledge, that's a touchdown. Well, yeah, because all you all you've been <laughs> teaching fans all these years just break the plane. Yeah, you just gotta just break, break the, the plane. plane. Just break the plane. And, and so if, he and does. You got, you got possession. Well, then, when, well, yeah, you got possession when he breaks the plane. The play is dead when he breaks the plane. That's it. And it only makes it worse because it was New England on the beneficial oh, of course, end of that. Oh, of course. Yeah. So, I mean, it could only happen yes. to a team that's playing New England. So. Yep. And then, of course, Sunday Night Football, Derek Carr fumbles it right before the pylon and goes out of the, through the end zone, and it's a touchback. That's one of those. You know, I now saw Mike, Mike Triplett, our good friend from ESPN, has a good take on that, and, I, and I'm with Mike on this one. That's one of the few plays, I think that's the only play, where you penalize so you were you so penal against the team that fumbles the ball that not only do you take the possession you take the possession away and you give it to the other team at their 20 going the other way where if you did the same thing at the 50 you'd keep possession and you keep driving true i don't like that call i, I don't like that rule I, i've never liked that i kind of think it's kind of juicy actually. i don't i don't i can't <laughs> stand that rule and the know. hustle that that kid made to oh go yeah hit him oh it's, it's oh, fantastic yeah. hustle but i mean you know to fumble right there and to say okay not only do you not get the touchdown, you don't even get the ball back. You know, that's you know, you do that anywhere else on the field and the ball goes out of bounds and they give you the ball back. So that's what I don't like about that. Last thing is this, and this is just me being dramatic and trying to hype things up, as if it needed any more hype this weekend with the Saints and the Falcons. Is this Sunday the biggest game in three years for the New Orleans Saints? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And you you throw the little lanyap on top of it that you know, you don't just have two teams that don't like each other. After that first game, you got you've got a couple of teams that probably can't stand each other. And I mean, it's going to be tough for these guys. I would imagine for the Saints to keep their emotions in check, because I don't care what anybody says. You know, yeah, now you've played a game, but now you get a chance to revisit all that anger that you had walking off that field in Atlanta. And I mean, I've I've seen some teams upset after losses. I don't know if I've seen a team as upset as this one was after that loss. Giddy up. Here yeah. we go. <laughs> Should be good. Get your popcorn ready. Yep, because <laughs> Atlanta's got plenty on the line, too. I think they'll win tonight against Tampa Bay, and they'll set things up just nicely. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a good one. Yes. Good to see it. I know you will be uh, front and center all week. 
I'll be leaning on you hard as I'm on the road with basketball. So I'm going to you for all my Saints Falcons information. Uh, lean on me when you're not strong. And, uh, and go get some wins. I'm going to try. Go get some wins. Basketball, yes. We'll turn our attention to that. Pelicans, Wizards, Pelicans, Magic, Pelicans, Heat all this week. And we're turning toward the big uh, second opening weekend of the NBA season, Christmas Day, one week from today. Daniel and Greg Anthony will talk about all that here coming up. This Pelican season, the entire family can do it big with the Pierre's Party Pack, presented by Cheetos Popcorn. Pelican ticket packages are available for select home games and include three or more tickets, combo meals, Cheetos Popcorn, and an on-court free throw experience with Pierre the Pelican, all for as low as $54. The next Pierre's Party Pack night is December 29th against the Dallas Mavericks. For more information and to plan your next big night out with the gang, visit pelicans.com today. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us, the neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe, original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more, and always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. All right, time to wrap things up with some basketball talk. Joining me now is Greg Anthony, NBA analyst for Turner Sports, Bleacher Report, Sirius XM Radio. He basically does it all around the NBA, and he joins us now to talk some hoops. Greg, great to talk to you again. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure, Daniel. Good to be with you, my man. All right, before we get into Pelicans, I wanted to get your thoughts on the league in general. It looks like the Eastern and Western Conference have done a little role reversal this season with the East having... 10 teams at or above 500. I know the West is more top-heavy than the Eastern Conference, but are you surprised by how many teams are doing well in the East? No, I think it's it's been great from a parity standpoint. You know, you got so many young, talented teams that are finally starting to get their footing. And I think it's made for an enjoyable ride for the league. I mean, you still got the powers that be when you look at the tops of both conferences, but you know, a lot of other teams now kind of put themselves into a position where they can become relevant, and it just makes for better basketball. You know, the fact that even you look at the Lakers and Sixers, you know, two great franchises with a lot of great young talent that now look like the future's bright. So uh, and you could say that by a lot of teams throughout the league, which makes it great from our perspective. You know, when you're following all these teams and you, uh, you get to watch some good basketball. Yeah, it's been fun to watch so far, that's for sure. And speaking of the East, the Pelicans play three teams in the Southeast Division this week, including the Washington Wizards. I know John Wall has been out for a couple of weeks, but I'm still not sure what to make of them. What what have you seen from the Wizards so far this season? Well, I, I think their backcourt is on par with the best in the league. Uh, but I just think the overall supporting cast is just they, they haven't taken a step forward. I think that's what you're seeing when you look at a team like Detroit and Indiana, uh, you know, they've improved. Milwaukee, they've, they've improved. And Washington, I think they were just hoping to improve internally. Uh, I do like Mike Scott. I think he gives them a little bit of punch. But for the most part, they still have the same issues they had a year ago. Uh, you know, they don't have the depth. Uh, you know, it's an issue for them when they go to the bench. Uh, and when you look around the league now, a lot of these teams, uh, they can go eight, nine deep comfortably. And, and the Wizards just haven't consistently been able to do that. And I think that's one reason why 
absent the injuries, you've seen this team struggle. You mentioned some of those teams like the Pistons, the Pacers, even the Wizards. Is there a team outside the Cavs and Celtics that you think could play in the Eastern Conference Finals this year or contend with one of those two teams uh, when it comes to the playoffs? Uh, Toronto. Toronto's yep. a team that I, I really like what they've done philosophically. Uh, their ball movement, where a year ago they were among the, the worst in the league, uh, their ball movement, their spacing has improved tremendously. Uh, and I think that the fact that they trust it uh, has allowed this team to really elevate. You know, they've been the best team in the league on the road at home, uh, you know, and, and they're above 500 uh, on the road, and they've also played significantly more road games. So that, that bodes well for this group moving forward. Uh, been really impressed overall, not just with the record, but with the style of play. It really fits into where you have to be in today's game. Obviously, three-point shooting is going to be paramount, getting to the free-throw line. And, and I think their young athletic players on that front line in particular and, and what they've gotten from that supporting cast has been really impressive. you got to tip your cap to what Dwayne Casey's been able to do to get that group to change their style. I mean, that is really hard to do when you've been successful at it as long as they have, but they seem to have been able uh, to make the right moves. No doubt about that. The Raptors have been playing well so far this season. I want to talk about Christmas Day a little bit. We're a week away from the Christmas Day games. There's five total. I know it's one of my favorite days of the year as far as the basketball and things like that. Is there a certain matchup? I know Warriors-Cavs is up there as a must-see matchup, but is there another game or maybe a team that is playing on Christmas Day that intrigues you the most this year? You know, that first one you talked about is going to be, I mean, that's going to be a heavyweight battle, uh, and I'm excited to see it. But, I mean, there are a lot. I mean, the Rockets-Thunder game in Oklahoma City is going to be fun. Uh, I'm also anxious to see the Sixers and the Knicks. I mean, two teams that have young, potential superstar caliber players in Embiid and Porzingis. Obviously, Ben Simmons has been unbelievably impressive as well. Uh, but their style, the way they're playing, uh, both teams right now looking to be like they're going to be a player in the postseason. Potentially the Knicks have had a little bit more favorable schedule. Uh, I think that's been beneficial for them. They have not had the, the doldrums of the road as of yet. Uh, but the Sixers, they look legit. I, I really like both these young teams, and it's really good. It speaks to what you talked about earlier, where you're having a little bit more of a shift in power from the Western Conference over to the East. Let's talk about those Thunder, who uh, I know I didn't expect them to be at the bottom of the Western Conference standings as far as the playoffs are concerned with those big three in Westbrook, George, and Anthony. What, what are you seeing? What are some of the biggest issues and why they're having so much trouble uh, as we get closer to the halfway mark here? I, I think style-wise, they're a little bit antiquated. I, I just think you, you are just not going to be able to consistently beat teams playing one-on-one -on -one basketball. Uh, and, and when you factor in the lack of depth, and that supporting cast, it puts tremendous pressure on your team to play at a high level just to be competitive. And I think that's what we've seen from them. Uh, I think they're going to have to look to make maybe shake up their starting lineup. And, and that's a team that might be looking to make a deal before the deadline. Uh, I, I do feel like they've got to figure out a way to bolster that bench in, in order to, to really become competitive. I think they're going to get better. You look at Carmelo, George, and Westbrook, they're, they're all – towards the bottom in terms of field goal percentage career-wise. And, and that's got to change, and I think it will. But even when they start being more efficient, they're going to have to have more help. It's just too many really good teams, particularly out west, uh, in order for them to, to be competitive. And, and this is a group that has a lot of pressure on them. Uh, I, I don't think just making the playoffs 
is what they had in ta- uh, uh, in mind when they put this group together. Uh, they're going to have to figure out a way to, to get into that top four to make this deal make sense for them long term. Yeah, an uphill battle for them, that's for sure. And the Pelicans are one of those teams that's kind of clumped in together at the bottom of the Eastern Co- or Western Conference playoff race as they are 15-15. and 15. Uh, From what you've seen so far, uh, what are your thoughts on the Pelicans? You know, I like the Pelicans. I, I think they're one of those teams that, because of the explosive firepower of, of Cousins and Davis, they can play with anybody. Uh, I, I really like how... Uh, Drew Holiday is coming around. It seems like he's starting to, to find a good groove. And, you know, they've gotten some really good play from Etwan Moore and obviously Roger Rondo. they got to stay healthy, which is always, as you know, an issue uh, when you talk about this Pelicans team. Uh, but they've been pretty consistent this year. Uh, and I think that's something that they can build on. Uh, I expect this group to be able to make the postseason. Uh, and I think it's imperative that they continue to grow and, and, and develop the chemistry. But but overall, I, I like what they've been doing, and uh, I'm anxious to see if they can continue to improve as a group. Is there anything missing? Is there something that when you're watching, we're saying, man, if they had this, whether it's a player or a certain attribute, they're like, man, they could you know put themselves um, in the hunt if they just added this. Is there something that you're seeing from them that maybe they're missing right now? Because they are still hovering around 500, have been alternating wins and losses in the month of December. But is there something that you're seeing that maybe they're missing right now as far as getting uh, maybe making that jump in the Western Conference? Well, you know, they don't really have that athletic wing player that, that gives you great versatility, right, with the ability to shoot it from three, can defend multiple positions, uh, and, and can score for them consistently. I think that's the one aspect of their team when you just look at them on paper that they don't have. They, they just don't have that one guy that gives them the kind of balance you're going to need. Uh, I think the backcourt, solid. Obviously, when you look at Davis and Cousins, uh, as good a one-two punch as you're going to find in the league. Uh, but they just don't have that one guy at that wing position. If you think about the league, that's kind of the dominant position, the point guard and then that wing position. Uh, it, it changes the dynamic of everything. It allows you to go big, allows you to play small, uh, gives you great spacing. If you got a guy that can consistently be that third option to score it. Uh, and, and when you look at the elite teams, uh, that's something they kind of feature, right? Even Houston – you know, Trevor Ariza is a really good basketball player. He's got that small forward position. He can play three positions. He can score consistently. Uh, they don't have somebody like that. Again, not necessarily a superstar caliber, but a guy that can pretty much match up and allow you not to have to consistently break down your defense when you're going against the likes of a Durant or a James or somebody along those lines. And that's what some of the up-and-coming teams have, right? You look at a team like Boston with Tatum and Brown, and obviously they have Gordon Hayward in the mix. That's one reason why they, I think, have been able to go to another level is because that position has become one of a strength for them. And right now for New Orleans, it's not. And I think ultimately that's an area they're going to have to improve if they want to get to a point where they can consider themselves an elite team. It's good stuff there. That's Greg Anthony, NBA analyst for Turner Sports and SiriusXM. You can also follow him on Twitter at GregAnthony50. Greg, I really appreciate the visit and your insight today, and we'll talk to you down the road, I'm sure. Sounds good, Daniel. All the best, man. All right. Sean, back to you. All right, Daniel, thank you very much. Thanks, of course, to Greg Anthony, too, and John DeShazer for stopping by on this Monday Black and Blue Report. As promised, a little bit of a calendar segment here for you to wrap today's show up. Uh, Daniel and uh, Greg were just talking about the Pelicans this week. 
Of course, a reminder again, tomorrow night at Washington against the Wizards, John Wall back for Washington, so uh, they're going to be on the uptick. And certainly Washington has not been kind to the New Orleans Pelicans uh, in D.C. there. I think they call that Capital One Arena now. Um, that's got to be the fourth different name that I'll have called that arena by in the last 12 years, 13 years. Anyway, that's tomorrow night. And then the uh, Pelicans will head to Florida where they'll see Orlando on Friday and the Miami Heat on Saturday. Uh, Orlando, uh, by, by the way, uh, beat the Pelicans here in New Orleans earlier this season. So a chance to even up that series in the final meeting between those two. Also on the Pelicans calendar, you've got the Alvin Gentry Show. That's yours on Thursday night, 6.30 on 99.5 WRNO-FM. Saints-wise, on the calendar, tonight's football game. We'll call it homework. Falcons and Buccaneers on Monday night football. You'll want to take that in. The Saints then will have their usual off day tomorrow. Back to work on Wednesday. Full coverage of practices this, this week at NewOrleansSaints.com. And then home on Sunday. That's a noon kick. Like last year on Chris Eve, this year, noon kick, uh, Saints versus Falcons. And uh, again, I'll say it as I did with John DeShazer earlier, biggest game for the Saints in three years. So should be fantastic. All right, that'll do it for us on this Monday. We're back with you on Wednesday. Daniel Salerson will be hosting Black and Blue Report. But David Wesley and I will be joining Daniel from, I guess, Washington, D.C., because the Pelicans are staying over. So we'll do that from our nation's capital. And, of course, we'll get thick into the conversation of Saints and Falcons on Wednesday with Daniel, too. That'll do it. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Stay dry if you can. I'm Sean Kelly. See you next time on the Black and Blue Report.